right, everybody. It was a couple minutes to six and super quiet in here, and then Marilyn walked in the room, and now you're all chatty. We're happy to see some familiar faces, not so familiar. Everybody's, we're just welcome y'all to Legacy City Church. We are stoked for this evening. Hate to tell you guys, but some of us got a little inside time with these guys last night. We did a little dessert meet and greet question and answering and got to pray together. It was a blast. It was good. So, all right. So, oh, I can turn down the angel music now. Hey, a couple quick announcements for those of you who are maybe curious about Legacy City Church. Wednesday night, we are in the middle of a eight-week training course, basic training for the prophetic ministry. It's Chris Vallotton from Bethel Church. Wednesday nights are fun nights. We worship for about a half an hour, and then we have some intercession for about a half hour. And then we go into our training course from about 8 to 9. The videos are about a 20-minute video session, and then we have just some interaction time. Hey, Gene. And, uh, no, not you, Dad. Gene with a J. And so, we, yeah, we just have a little interaction time, some discussion about the video, and then we do an activation. And the goal is to help equip all of us to hear the voice of God more clearly and more accurately. And if you know the scriptures, you'll know that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They won't follow after a stranger. So you hear the voice of the Lord. Whether you know it or not, you hear him. He's leading you and he's guiding you and he's convicting you and directing you and, and guiding your steps. And it's all a matter of us as sons and daughters being obedient or stubborn. So... That's up to you to figure out where you're at on that process. But this is a good class for us just to, to learn the different ways God speaks to us and what the prophetic is actually for when it comes to the saints being equipped to prophesy. It's a very powerful tool in evangelism and in building up the church, building up believers. So we invite you. If anyone wants to come, you're invited. Let's see. Then we've got, oh, we got Charlie and Lori Gosler that are coming tonight. They're here. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going, to try to, I'm going to try to make this brief. We met Charlie and Lori Gosler at a conference that Tammy and I went to a number of years ago now. And it is the conference where we went as strangers. Nobody knew us. And we got the word prophetically from uh, one of the girls from the Bethel ministry team to go plant that church. And then when we got that word and we were just reeling all couple days from just God is all over us right now with this desire in our hearts was to plant a church and then we got it called out, um, we were just so enamorated by, by that call that by the time Charlie got up to preach during that conference, it took it to a whole other level. Um, he, he ministered on a message about the orphan spirit and the father's heart. And in the middle of his preaching, I had a, an encounter with the Lord. I had about a three-second, maybe one-second vision of myself being born. And I knew it was me because, well, I just knew it was me. The Lord made that clear. This was you. And I saw the rubber gloves and my bloody little uh, C-section head being brought out by the doctor's hands. And then I saw God's hands, the father's hands, there bringing me into the world and in the moment that that happened as he's preaching the whole room was quiet and I about lost it my cage was rattling and I had to hold back blurting out my emotions but I'm strong sometimes 
And I, I held it together until they invited people to come up at the end to line up for a impartation. If you don't know what impartation is, that's when teams of people or a minister will go down the line, lay hands on each person, and oftentimes people will fall out and they'll start weeping or they'll laugh. There was a lot of laughter happening. And I thought, is this my moment? Is this my moment? I assumed the position I had my hands out because I've never been really whacked like that before. I've never gone out. I've never been slain in the spirit. I felt the presence of God. I feel his presence every day. I feel his electricity often, but I've never been overwhelmed to the point where I'm knocked out. And I thought this was maybe my moment. I'm usually always like wondering, is this the time? Well, when Charlie got to me, um, what started in the middle of his message with me seeing myself being born, uh, he delivered the baby all the way. And I just, I broke. And I couldn't talk about it for a long time without weeping. Even now, it's a little bit tough, but I'm, I'm actually okay tonight. So. so they carry that heart. They have quite the story. And hopefully you guys, after they're all done tonight, we'll get some chances to just to chat with them. And we'll see how much time's left after we get this thing rolling. So anyway, we welcome you guys. We welcome Charlie and Lori, and we just, we're grateful that you guys are here tonight. So, awesome. All right. Got, you know what? I have these scriptures pulled up. I'm going to read it, but I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to preach. No, because, no. Because I need to get David up here. Did you guys know today is Rosh Hashanah? No, I'm not speaking in tongues. Rosh Hashanah. Rabashanana. No, that, no, that would be tongues. Rosh Hashanah. It's the Hebrew calendar beginning of a new year, a new season. And it starts with the blowing of the shofar. So when we enter into worship tonight, David is an expert shofar. He is, he is the man. I am never worried about it coming out all squeaky and squawky. It's just like he's got an anointing for it. And he'll share something before we blast off into worship. But we're going to read a couple of scriptures. You guys ready? Just in case Charlie doesn't give us the word tonight. <laughs> All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Well, I've been kind of stuck in this for a little bit, beginning some of our meetings. This has to do a lot with our worship. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the lordship of Jesus Christ. All right, guys? Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. Just if that is what you believe for your life, then just speak it out now. Jesus Christ, you are Lord. You are Lord of my life. You are King. And we're your servants for Jesus' sake. That's why we're here. We're here to serve. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us. He has cascaded his light inside of you, inside of me. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do in just a minute. We are going to gaze into the face of our King as we worship him tonight. We are like common clay jars, jars of clay. That's what you are. You're just a jar of clay. Some got more dust on them than others. That carry this glorious... So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's bad. We are these clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within. You have a glorious treasure inside of you so that this immeasurable power, just say immeasurable, immeasurable, this immeasurable power will be seen as God's and not ours. 
though we experience every kind of pressure, right? We're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do. But quitting is not an option. Amen. Whoa, I feel like I'm going to preach now. Sorry, Charlie, help me. <laughs> quitting is not an option. I feel the Holy Spirit is releasing an impartation with that word right there to every one of you in this room. Quitting is not an option. You did not receive Jesus and begin to walk with him just to give up, throw your hands in the air, and go back to the way you were before him. Quitting is not an option. Man, I almost feel shaking right now. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. Amen. Got some ameners in the room. Awesome. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. This is the process. The death of Jesus inside of us, revealing the life of Jesus through us. Embrace the cross, guys. Embrace the work of the cross. We consider living that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. It releases life in you. Here's the last part, and then David's going to come up here and hold on to your seatbelts. So no wonder we don't give up. Even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner, our inner being is being renewed every single day. We view our slight and short-lived troubles in light of eternity. This is just a brief glimpse on the timeline in view of eternity. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention. This is the reason why it works this way. It'll work. If, if you go through your struggles and don't give up, but you embrace the process so that the life of Jesus can shine through you, it's, it'll happen if you don't lose your focus. So we don't focus our attention on what is seen. I need to catch this if you guys aren't catching it. Hope you are. I'm trying. Focus your attention on what is, uns, is, on what is seen. Excuse me. Let me back up. We don't focus our attention on what is seen. Turn off the news. Close your eyes. But we focus our attention on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm, it's eternal. We're about ready to step into the unseen realm. The Bible says that you and I are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, that we are to set our affections on things above where Christ is seated, and that is where our true life is at. So we're going to do that in just a second here. David, you want to come on up and prepare to launch us into the third heaven? You want to hold that for me? Good evening. Um, for those of you visiting, my name is David, and this is my wife, Cara. She's helping me because my hands are full. Um, so I wanted to wor open our worship tonight with the sound of the, sh the trumpet, a shofar blast. Tonight we are blessed to have the Gosslers with us, and it also marks the Feast of Trumpets, or Rosh Hashanah. And 
it is a celebration of the the creation the birth of creation among many other things um and there are many it's a feast of trumpets so there are many blasts of the shofar the shofar has many meanings but the most significant to me is that uh, it's a picture of the ram's horn which is a pointer for us it points to points us to jesus the ram was a substitute for isaac just like jesus was a substitute for us the sound of the trumpet clears the atmosphere it calls us together to gather like we're doing tonight and i would go further to say that we're gathering in the the courts of heaven tonight in that eternal realm that was scott scott was talking about it quickens our spirits to be alert and it is the sound of his victory so when you hear this sound it is the sound of his victory so i want to prepare you you may hear this sound tonight during worship as the spirit leads me because i don't know how many times he's going to have me blow the shofar but it might be a few times and i have two shofars so there's two tones you might hear and i don't want it to catch you off guard like last night it can it can it can be uh startling yeah So I'll pray, and then I'll we'll blow the, show, the sound of the shofar, and we'll give him a shout of praise, all right? Father, thank you for this special appointed time that we get to gather in your presence and worship you. We give you all the praise and honor. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in us tonight. We long to be in your presence. We come with hearts filled with expectation for more of you, more of your love. Thank you, Father. So when we hear Let's give him praise. Thank you for the promise of your spirit, Lord. You promised you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. We receive you, Lord. We receive you, Lord. We just say more, God, more of you in our lives. 
more, Lord. Come and flood us tonight. Flood our beings. Fill us from the inside, God. Overflow. Let that river of your living water flow out of us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that it's not just for us, but it's for the dry and thirsty land all around us. The dry and thirsty souls all around us. The sons and daughters of God that are wandering in darkness that need to come home. Lord, we call them home tonight. We call them home. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you. The hope we have in you. The hope is in you, Jesus. Let's just wait on the Lord another moment, guys. says to be still and know that I am God. So, hey, it's just, okay, we, we can't shoot out of the room, okay? He's, he is God. There's no place in all the earth where we can go to escape his presence, right? Okay, it's more about you and I becoming more and more aware. Our faith levels rise, our understanding, our, our reception of his presence, his omnipresence, his spirit within us. He is here. His presence is here. The only closed heaven is between your ears. Okay? It's, it's true. You have direct access to the Father by one Holy Spirit. So he's with us. He's here. He's in you if you're a Christian. Okay? We just want to allow him to do his ministry tonight. I trust Charlie, tr Charlie and Lori. They, they know how to flow with the Spirit of God. They know how to move with his lead. So whether it's through instruction or exhortation or laying on of hands and impartation, we're just gonna we're gonna turn it over and we just bless these guys. Why don't you guys just extend your hands towards Charlie? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and extend your hands towards Lori because she's gonna be helping him tonight too. This is this is a power team. Lord, we just release the blessing, God. We bless what you're doing in them. We bless what you've done in them over the years, over the decades, what you've done, what you're going to do in the future, and what you're going to do tonight. We bless it, Lord. We bless it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You're like a spiritual bully.
Oh. Wow. Uh, well, good evening, beloved sons and daughters of God, in whom your father is already well pleased. That's what was said over Jesus at his baptism. And if you put his, your trust in his life, that same word is spoken over your life from the Father. Can I get an amen? And if there is anything inside you tonight that is resisting that reality, I declare you are not sinners saved by grace. You, by faith, have become the saints of God. Amen? And so I'm here. I have a high level of faith and expectation. Anything that would oppose that message in your heart that you're not a beloved son or daughter, it's going to expose the lie, and he's going to bring freedom with his truth of the reality of who you are. He's going to come and destroy the sin that makes you feel unworthy because Jesus died to destroy the power of sin and death over our lives. Is that right? And that needs to be a living reality for all of us. So I'm going to go on the assumption that we're all just sons and daughters tonight. In fact, I, I came to my mind while we were worshiping. Wasn't that incredible? We could have just stayed there for the rest of the night. Yet I don't know how much you need my words, but you're going to get them anyway. So um, my wife saw me walking through the lobby of our church once, and we pastored a church in Portland uh, as associate pastors of a church of about 1,200 people. So that was a lot of folks. But I would walk through the lobby, and she was watching me, and she pulled me aside. She said, Charlie, I've noticed something. When you walk through the lobby and you talk to people, their faces light up. They get all excited. And I watched other people, and they didn't have that reaction. What do you think that is? And, you know, I didn't overthink it. Isn't it nice when you just speak right from your heart? You don't get too analytical. And I said, you know, hon, I think it's because they like the way they look through my eyes. When you look at life through Jesus' eyes, life looks a whole lot better. It's not a world going to hell in a handbasket. It's a world full of people that God adores and is proud of and wants to pour his affection out of. And when you begin to see people in that place, they can begin to see themselves through Jesus' eyes too. That is an amazing way to live, isn't it? And when that is the truth, you, do you realize that the kingdom of God is actually in your heart? ever-increasing, ever-expanding, unable to be shaken by circumstances. The kingdom of God is righteousness because Jesus lives inside of you. He is committed to bringing out his likeness in every area of your life. That's amazing, isn't it? And it's actually God, not you at work in you. That would be frustrating and religious and striving and painful. Anyone ever tried to save yourself? Were you any good at it? No, we needed a Savior, of course. But he's in us, releasing his righteousness through us. Last Saturday, we had a really great intensive class about preparing for the wave. I don't know if you feel it yet. I don't know if you believe it yet. But there is a wave of God's glory coming. He's increasing the hunger, the desperation, and the need in people's hearts. And, you know, we have to prepare ourselves. Because I believe now more than I've ever believed in my life, he's going to do it. But if we aren't preparing ourselves, we can actually miss it. 
And I'm unwilling to miss any move of God where his glory is being revealed. So, you know, Jesus is releasing his righteousness, and during that class we took a seven-minute time of silence. I'm a very hyperactive person. I thought, Lord, seven minutes with this whole group? This is going to be painful. And then I started, I was just quiet for a moment, and then I thought, Lord, seven minutes isn't long enough. I began to get peaceful and calm again, you know. But the Lord spoke the most amazing thing to me, um, and I think some of you probably need this word, because I think it's true for every believer. All he said was, you are not your sin. He broke that old man. He got rid of all of those tapes, all of those failures, all of those curses people have spoken over you. He died to remove the curse and to put his blessing on your life. Is that right? You are not your sin. So quit acting like that's your identity. And then he said, you are the righteousness and the holiness of my son. Holy cow. I, I, there's a part of me still, after all these years, knowing the goodness of God, the presence of God, a part of me still hadn't really received that message. And I'm excited because we are his righteousness because his righteousness is in us. Amen. We are also, we have peace. And a peace that surpasses understanding. The unseen realm, as Scott was saying, is more real than the seen realm. All the evidence that see, you see with your eyeballs that say God isn't good and God isn't here, that's a lie. But you know what I really love? What's the other third of the kingdom? Come on, sons and daughters. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Why are we not the happiest people on earth? Well, there's Disneyland living right inside of us. I mean, if we really get the gospel, you know, we're the happiest place. We should be the happiest place on earth. How? Uh-oh. Okay. Okay. Quick disclaimer. Scott wanted me to do this. Uh, when we were in Toronto, God just, like, captured our whole hearts, and it was very common for there to be manifestations. And you can fight them, I suppose, but, and, and not everybody has them. I love, I love, I love, I love that God chose John and Carol Arnott for the renewal, for the outpouring in Toronto, because Carol is a weakling like me. She's a uh, a, a lightning rod for manifestations of the Holy Spirit, just releasing the joy and playing in God's presence and having fun. And man, she would see me reacting to the presence of God and she'd go, Charles! And then she would just bless what God was doing and I'm like, okay, I'm incapacitated. But John Arnott, he's an oak of righteousness. He was in the epicenter of a 20-year revival outpouring of God and I think he's only been slain two or three times, you know? Which is amazing to me. But you know what? It doesn't matter whether you react or whether you don't. But as a disclaimer, my main thing is ho. So when I just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, it comes out. We have a dear friend at our church who's also a manifester. We have one. Thank God I have company because it's so embarrassing. And hers is even funnier. Cheryl, when she's really sensing the presence, she'll like stomp her feet sometimes. So we'll hear her going. It's like, oh, that's good. And then, but hers is even more embarrassing. She goes, ho, ho, ho. It's like she's got the Santa Claus anointing, you know. I guess she just likes to release the gifts of the Spirit. But when I say ho, for those of you who love your Bible, like I love my, it's the Word of God. It's the voice of God in my life. It's a letter from him to us. Wow. And so um, when I finally found Isaiah 55 and not preaching on it tonight, I was just delighted. There it is. 
Ho, all of you who thirst, come, you know. It's a Hebrew word. I'm so happy. And do you know what it actually means? It means take notice. So he's just about to make a declaration that could change your life. If you're thirsty, come to the water. What you need is available. I love that. So for me, every time I hoe, it's like, okay, what's going on? I'm taking notice. So that's just a side note. Ho. So, oh, oh my. (laughs) So where I was going, the joy of the Holy Ghost. Um, I figured, you know, we're going to have a wonderful time tonight. Uh, God's put a very specific thing on my heart for you. I believe you are going to move more into your identity as a son or daughter. I will be discontent if anybody leaves this room who doesn't feel more loved than when they came in. So, oh, but uh, I thought it would be really appropriate because joy is a third of the kingdom to tell a bad dad joke. Are you up for that? So we are, um, my wife and I both are parenting instructors. We teach love and logic, active parenting. We love people just really getting close to the kids. The, the kingdom of God is so much about relationship, isn't it? And just spiritual mothers and fathers. And so we are shamelessly proud parents. But our youngest daughter just graduated from the University of Texas at Austin. She got, a, yeah, thank you. Nope, yeah, well, whatever. That also means other things, but I don't want to refer to that. So uh, she graduated with a double master's. But before she graduated, the university asked her to represent them as a delegate at a conference in Dubai, of all places. Yeah, the conference was on international space security and sustainability. You know, we have maritime oversees the use of the oceans by the nations. We don't have those laws for space yet. They're not written. They're all being discussed and agreed to. So that's what they were there to discuss. So before we left, uh, we had a Zoom call. And I said, Alyssa, you're, you're leaving for Dubai. Do you know the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi? And she's a global policy study student. So she said, well, Dad, they're both Arab Emirates. And she starts giving me their history. And I say, no, sweetie, that's not it, actually. In Dubai, they don't like the Flintstones, but the Abu Dhabi do. Yeah, I, 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 sh- I shared that last week, too, uh, while I was driving for Uber. Uber is my marketplace. Uber is this wonderful land. I meet people from all over, totally outside of the church. And I, the Lord told me, I shared it last night when I was praying, should I do Uber? The Lord told me, people are going to experience the atmosphere of heaven in the backseat of your car. And I'm just like, come on, let's do that. And it's been exactly that. And then it's so unfair. I was having so much fun. I talked to Lori about it. And then she reluctantly, she's the introvert. I'm more of the extrovert. So she started driving. And I think she started to like it more than I did. And part of it is because we're empty nesters now. All of our kids are out of the house. And so she has these millennials that get in the backseat of her car, experience the atmosphere of heaven. And then she can go, you're doing so good. You're so amazing. Aren't you doing what? I mean, she gets to mother these kids in the car so she doesn't have to mother me. It's God's mercy to me. So anyway, I had this, I, I, I had this young lady in the backseat of my car, and I told her that joke, and she was quiet for a moment. She goes, you know, I was actually born and raised in Abu Dhabi. And I went, are you serious? She said, I lived there my whole life. I said, well, is it true? And she said, yes, I do like the Flintstones. <laughs> Oh, so 
we are all on an amazing mission. You know, God has the perfect discipleship program for each one of us. He is at work, and he will not be content until we're conformed to the very image of his son. That he's going to bring to completion that amazing work he's doing in us. And we all share a common calling that I want to first highlight, and then I want to go deeper of how to grow in that calling, how to prepare yourself for the wave of God's glory that is even coming. So 2 Corinthians 2, chapter 5, verse 18. <sighs> By the way, this is where it says that old things have passed away and new things have come. Let me insert something real quick. Uh, and I'm going to really have to try to stay on track because there's so many. I've been in full-time ministry for about 40 years, and God has been so good. So many crazy things to talk about, but I really try to hone in on what I feel the thing is for tonight. But I was reading a book by John Eldridge, if you know him. It was uh, um, Waking the Dead. And I was 30,000 feet up in the sky. Do you feel closer to God when you're up in an airplane? I don't know why, but I do. I just, I kind of feel like I'm thinking more about life and the more important thing. I don't know why. So I'm reading this book, and I read a chapter. The concept of the chapter was, you have a good heart. So let me just check in right now. I'm going to actually be brave enough to do a show of hands. If somebody looks at you and says, okay, you have a good heart, you know you're supposed to agree. But is there a part of you that says, yeah, but if you really knew who I was, you wouldn't like me? Show of hands, how many people? Is it hard to believe you have a good heart? And so uh, I, I read the whole chapter. And, and then I thought when I was done, I don't remember what I read. It couldn't get in. It was so strange. I thought, okay, I'm going to read the chapter again, and I'm really going to concentrate. And I read the chapter a second time. And I couldn't have told you what the chapter was about. It was really strange. There are strongholds of thinking, lies that have become so established that we can't really hear the truth of what God would want to say to us. He wants to destroy those kinds of strongholds and lies in us. So I read it a third time, and I couldn't still get it. And then I thought, the problem is not in the book. The problem is in me. Because what was my first reaction to, you have a good heart? You know the first verse? The heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can know it? My heart's evil. That is the exact opposite of what our faith is about. We had a bad heart. God gave us a new heart. We have a good spirit. It is now, if you're a believer, it is now your nature to want to be more like Jesus. So when you begin to sin, you know you're going sideways. You know this doesn't feel right where before you wouldn't have had any conviction about it. I was a really happy sinner before Jesus. Now our inclination is to become more and more like him. And there's a word for that. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. Now, being a new this is right after you're a new creature. Now, all these things are from God, your transformed life, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The primary ministry of Jesus was to come on earth and get God's kids back, to reconcile them to the only one who could love them best and know them best and make them secure in a perfect, permanent, profound love. 
three Ps. I love alliteration. Yay! I've never said that before, though, so it's all new for you. The verse continues. How? Um, we all have a ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and his life, and his, and he has committed us to the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation, God wants us, Jesus wants us to be about reconciling others and experience him as being as good to them as he is to us. Is that true? So here's what we're going to do tonight. Part of that reconciliation is uh, there are three things I really want to cover in a meaningful way that I hope gives you some good tools and inspiration <coughs> about that life that he's reconciling us to him in. I would say the most critical thing that we have to experience is the ability to first seek his voice. I love his word, and I love his voice. When he speaks into our lives, the still small voice, the prophetic word, revelation that comes off of the pages of his word, all the various ways that he speaks, when we listen, when we honor, when we obey, uh, Pastor Young Gi Cho in uh, Korea, uh, yeah, in Korea. Korea is the only nation that I know of where over 50% are born again, uh, spirit filled, believing people. And when he was asked, how in the world did God influence a nation like that? He was just as simple. I heard some at a city Bible, now Manor House in Portland. And he just smiled and he goes, We pray and we obey. How can you obey and hear? Right? So in, in Latin, uh, the word for hear is surdus. And if you cannot hear, if you absolutely cannot hear, then that is absurdus. You live an absurd life. It's, what it, it's the root of it in English. You live an absurd life if you don't know how to hear and how to obey. So there are steps that we take to seek hearing his voice in faith, not in doubt. And then, oh, we, we seek his voice, we hear his voice, and then tonight we're going to talk about how to share his voice. And that is the heart of the ministry of reconciliation and the very heart of, heartbeat, I believe, of the gospel. So I'm just going to lay a quick foundation for you. I would say one of the most critical, interesting parts of world history is revealed in Exodus chapter 20, verse 19. It's right smack dab in the middle of the, new, the Ten Commandments. And so, you know, God called Abraham as a father of our faith to know a relationship with him, to hear his voice, to be responding to him. And uh, we talked about it a little bit last night. Abraham, uh, God made a covenant, which is more than a promise. It's, it's more than a contract. A covenant is, I will always do this regardless of what you do. And he said, I'm going to bless those who bless you and I'm going to curse those who curse you. Do you realize if you're a follower of Jesus, he's got your back? When people come to shame you, lie about you, rip you off, I get scared for them now. 
It's like, are you kidding me? No, I'm not going to let you mistreat me because your life is going to be blessed if you know how to bless my life. And my life is blessed the more I bless your life. That's the kingdom of God, and it all became with, came, you know, because of Abraham. And that promise is true over us as well because we follow after him in faith. I love that. I love that. You have no idea what that principle is like, but I can't develop that right now. But then God calls a whole nation. I want to show the world what it looks like if an entire nation are my sons and daughters. They're resting in my blessing and in my presence, and they're responding to my voice, right? So he calls Israel as a whole nation, and then Moses goes up a mountain, and he has an encounter with God, and the children of Israel, they hear the thunder. They see the lightning. The mountain is trembling, and they, they just realize God is real. They had initial reverence, a fear of God. God is so holy. God is so powerful. But then their hearts turned to a negative kind of fear. And when Moses came back down, the words they said to him was, Moses, you tell us what to do, and we'll do it, but we don't want to have to speak with God. You tell us what he's saying to you. They rejected the personal relationship. They were supposed to be a nation of priests, a nation of people with a face-to-face -face relationship. You know one of the words in Hebrew for uh, presence? It's faces. You experience God's presence because you're looking him in the face, and he's looking you in the face. You have that much of an intimate walk. And so they chose rules, religion, over relationship. And I, I won't even develop that, that but that, how did that experiment go? God said, okay, here you go. Here's the rules, people. And the law is good. The law is what it looks like in your behavior if you love people. It, and I won't break it down, but the Ten Commandments, first four, what are they? Loving God. What are the other six? Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, if you love your neighbor, you don't take his wife. You don't steal his stuff. You don't kill him, you know. So the story never really changed. What the problem was, was rules don't give you the power to live by them. Only love, only empowerment from the Father sets you free to be more and more like him, right? But what did they really reject? That's the part that's so key. They rejected his voice. We don't want to have to speak. We don't want to have to hear. So I'm going to do this really quick for those of you people. Some people have pens out. So um, and let me give you the top three verses that we all know. So Isaiah 30, 15, I love this. In returning, another translation says, in rest, uh, in uh, repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And then we all know, you quoted already Psalms 46:10. be still and know that I am God. It's hard to know that he's God when you're noisy inside, when you're busy, when you're trying to do it all for him. You have to quiet down long enough. And then, ho, oh, there we go. What about Isaiah 40, 31? Those that wait upon the Lord. You renew your strength. And by the way, you mount up, you move into areas of freedom, you get into that place of liberty where your heart is set free because you're not doing it in your strength, you're resting in him and his strength is manifesting through you because you know how to wait 
and listen. And then the promise of James 4.8. Draw near to God and what? He'll draw near to you. If you really take that in faith. You know, the practice of the presence of God, many of you probably know it. Brother Lawrence, the whole book basically can be wrapped up in just saying that the presence of God, whoa, is the concentration of the soul's attention on God, remembering he's always present. Is God in the room right now? Are you aware of his presence? Are you attentive to his presence? Are you listening to what he's saying to you personally? Because that's all it takes. If your heart turns toward him, he's right there. And by the way, he is a lover of people who love him. He can't resist it. You begin to do what we were doing in worship, and you know the room is just filling up with joy, with, you know, whatever, with him. How? Shoo. So, you know, we seek him in faith, though. And ha anybody ever try to seek God in doubt? It doesn't really work very well, you know? Um, and I've done it before. It's like, well, okay, I'll, I'll try to hear what God's saying, but I probably won't hear anything. Well, now you're already going in double-minded. So there's a way that you cultivate, you prepare your heart to get ready to even hear from him. How? So, yeah, Hebrews 11.6, you know the verse pretty well. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? But he who comes has to believe that he exists. And what else? He's a rewarder. What's the reward? Is it money? Is it, you know, the, the overcoming of your enemies? Is it what? The reward is him. When you seek him, you're going to find him. And there's no greater reward than seeking him to be able to encounter him and to hear his voice. And so um, how many of you know about contemplation? Have you ever heard that word? It's a form of prayer. It's being still. So years ago, I was a way too busy pastor. I was in charge of counseling for 1,200 people. I ran the administrative staff. I did all the business and administration for the church. I was an idiot for taking a job that was two full-time jobs. And I did my best, and God was blessing it, but I was just like, I'm on the edge of burnout, and I got to try something. And so Lori and I went to Barnes & Noble, which is the, our idea of a hot date, a bookstore. And I saw a book on centering prayer, the uh, traditions of the Quaker church, you know, where people get centered, they quiet themselves. They can have a meeting where they're actually going to be quiet for 10, 15, 20 minutes, just quietly waiting on God. And I thought, well, that's just weird. And... Uh, because I was so busy, but I thought, okay, I'm desperate, so Lord, I I'm going to try it. I was reading about it, and I didn't want my education to exceed my obedience. I didn't just want to read about prayer. Maybe doing prayer is a good thing. So I actually laid down in my office on the carpet, and guys, for the first five minutes, has anyone ever done contemplative prayer? Just a quick show of hands. Okay, well, I encourage you, but it will be painful. Because we are so busy and our minds are so active and we get so easily distracted that disciplining yourself to lay down for a moment and force your body, be still. Oh, okay. And the first five minutes, I was just practically vibrating. And then finally, 10 minutes passed. But for me, 15 minutes is kind of a, a, a consistent breakthrough time because I'm just an amped person. 
And so after 15 minutes, finally I calm down. <sighs> I begin to breathe a little bit. I can feel myself calming down. And I'll remember for the rest of my life, the first time I ever intentionally tried contemplative prayer, I was sitting there, and, and then I finally heard the still small voice from God personally, and he said, you need to get over your caffeine addiction. You expect a heavy revy, don't you? Hey, why don't you just call me your beloved son? You know, give me something I can use. And, but that was the love of God. What I could really use was get over your caffeine. If you're going to keep doing contemplative prayer, you're going to be miserable, right? If that was love. That was just so, he knew exactly what I needed in that moment. So, you know, I want to give you one last tool for um, seeking God's voice. I love this. In contemplative prayer, you can use this as a model. Um, there are four R's. So when you're ready to just get in God's presence and you've calmed yourself down, you can first approach him from the word and you can read a passage. You can ask God if he has one or if you can go to your favorite or you go do whatever you do, but pick a verse and read it and then read it again and then just say, Lord, and do it in faith. I believe this is your heart. I believe this is your mind. These are your words. Father, I'm doing this because I want you, so speak to me from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple prayer. Then open it up, read something, and then look for the divine highlighter. Okay, God, so you read, and then the Lord highlights something that maybe you've read a verse a hundred times before, but today, boom, wait a minute. Our Father, is that limited just to his kids, or how big is that statement? Wait a minute, who's our? What do you want to show me about our? And reflect on what he's beginning to show you in that verse. Meditate on it. Think about it. Roll it over. Ponder it. Let him begin to speak to you about it. And so you read, you reflect, and then you respond. Lord, what do you want me to do with what you're showing me today? Did you want me to tell Lori? Because that's going to be really embarrassing, you know? Did you want me to write a letter? Did you want me to answer that email? Did you want me to just shut up? You know, but don't just receive a word and not purpose to step out on it. How does he want you to respond to it? That's pretty good, isn't it? But the, you know what the fourth R is? And it's the one I'm terrible at? Rest. If you've spent time with the Lord, you've let his word begin to soak into your heart, you've reflected upon it, he's given you fresh new revelation, and then you know, you've decided, Lord, here's how I'm going to respond on it. And by the way, this time with you has been so great, so let me just drink in your presence. Let me just be still for a moment and just recharge me in the ways I don't even understand. So it feels lazy. It doesn't feel productive. If you're a good Puritan, you know, you're going to rebel. But you're resting in his presence, and that's what begins to transform you. So... Then when it comes to hearing his voice, I love this so much. You know, sometimes people are like, Lord, I need to hear a word. And there will be times it's like, okay, you really want to hear his voice? But then he's going to say, wait, you know what? I already sent you a letter. You know, the written word he wants to speak to you from. Man, approaching his word and looking for it. I used to read the Bible like it was a book. And I was trying to understand its content and understand the stories and memory certain things. And it was intellectual. It was rational. But now to approach it in faith and go, no, this is alive. This is your word. 
And Lord, I love when you breathe on it. I love when you make something fresh to me. And by the way, when, when I had a conviction several years ago, and the Lord is very good to me, but as he was so sweet for so many years, I was just like, he, God can't be this kind. You know, he's got to be ticked. I don't even like myself. I know he's mad at me, you know. But part of it was because I was so insecure. Then when you grow up, he begins to convict you about things. He begins to go, do you know what you were doing in that? you know what was in your heart? And it's like, no what? You know, it's amazing when he'll convict you about things. Oh, so um, I just got lost in my own thought. So, uh, yeah, I, I look for revelation in the word, and then he'll speak to you in specific situations from there. <clears throat> and so, obviously, knowing the word, seeking the word, and, you know, this is the phrase that I, I wanted to share most of all. Because I did this. I'm a man of the word. I have been for years. I love even studying the word of God. But the reality is don't ever let your knowledge of the word keep you from really knowing him. We don't just want to know the word of God. We want to know the God of the word. That's the whole point. This is a doorway to relationship. The objective revealing of his purposes, his plans, his nature, his values, his, all of him. Oh, you know, there's that old saying, um, if all you have is the word, you're going to dry up. Anybody ever seen some dried up old prune Christians? Because they've just been reading the word intellectually. But you know, if you only want the other thing, now I only want the still small voice. Well, I only want to hear what the Spirit's saying. Right now in the moment, nothing else counts. What God said five minutes ago is past now. That's a crazy way to live too. So if all you have is the word, you're going to dry up. If all you have is the Spirit, you're going to blow up. Because you're not always going to know what's his voice, what's God, your voice, and what's the devil's voice. Because there's, there's three spirits out there. But if you have the word and you have the spirit, you're going to grow up. He's going to move you into greater and greater purposes in your life. Scott, you referred to it already, John 10. Sheep, my sheep hear my voice. Be honest, how many of you doubt that you really hear his voice? It's almost an epidemic in the church. For years, I don't hear God's voice the way other people do, you know? And there's a lie so twisted in that, and Jesus made it so abundantly clear that we do hear his voice. Ho! Oh. So, talking about revelation and the word, um, I did an exercise once. I encourage you to do this. We won't do it tonight because there isn't time. But, like I said, pick a favorite verse and begin to roll it in your mind and wait on the Lord. And so we were in a soaking room with maybe 30 people. I had everybody pick a verse. And uh, so I picked Psalms 37, 4. It's like, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, th there's a greater interpretation of this, but at the time, my interpretation was, what, you know when you soak, you know when you worship, you're delighting yourself in God, right? That's what it's all about, just getting your heart back in love. And so you get in that place where there's peace and there's joy, there's devotion, there's celebration. You're, oh, I'm really delighting you, you Lord. And then I figured, well, then what you're going to do, the, your desires, you're going to drop in my heart, and they'll be my desires too. You do know everything on heaven, in heaven on earth moves by agreement. When you say yes, the heavens open up for God's purposes to get poured out on your life. That's all he's looking for is just obedient, just a simple yes. So then 
If God actually puts a desire in your heart, and it happens to be the desire of his heart too, what on earth can keep it from coming to pass? Nothing, right? So then ask the question, Lord, what desire do I have that's also your desire for me? Isn't that a great question? I mean, you take five minutes, ten minutes, get serious about it. And so we were quiet, waiting on the Lord, and I, that was the verse. I was rolling over and meditating. I said, so Lord, what desire did you put in my heart? Two words. He said, contagious adoration. And I just thought, that's right. I want to so adore you. I want to be so radically in love with you. I so want to make you first and keep you my first love that other people are going to see it. They're going to be jealous, and it's going to be contagious, and they're going to want to adore you too. Contagious adoration. I mean, to this day, it still moves me. But the next day, I was speaking at George Fox College. I don't know what I was doing there. I was speaking to their graduate students, people getting their master's and doctorates in counseling and uh, clinical practice and all that stuff. And they had these, you know, people running counseling centers and these therapists and Pastor Charlie. And I'm just sitting there feeling like the least of anyone on this panel. And everyone was talking about modalities of therapy and blah, 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 blah. They finally get to me. And I said, well, it really comes down to your relationship with Jesus. And I said, you know, when you really know him and you delight yourself in him, he can put in your heart contagious adoration. I am not exaggerating. There were maybe 30, 40 students there, the whole panel. It was like a bomb went off. <laughs> Contagious adoration. And all the students leaned for, that's right. It's the passion that you've got. It's the excitement. It's, you know. And then the whole panel. The next two panelists mentioned contagious adoration. I was just like, God, you've got to be kidding, kidding me. But you know what it was? It was fresh. It was from the night before. It was what God had said to me, and I shared it, and it was infused with power. The stuff that he says to us changes us, but then we have that testimony and that ability to impart that even to other people. That was the only year I spoke on that panel where every other panelist gave me their business card, can we get together for coffee? I was like, good Lord, people. It was two words. Jeez. All right. I tried to make this so my tablet wouldn't uh, shut off, but it keeps doing it, so forgive me. Scott, you can help me with that later. You're younger than I am. Okay, so that is a wonderful exercise in hearing his voice. Uh, we hear his voice in many different ways. Um, we hear his voice through other people sometimes, and learning to turn your ears on when is it really the Spirit speaking through Scott or Tammy or, you know, anybody? And so we used to host Wednesday night soaking prayer at our office, and we had several rooms, and people would be listening to the soaking music and just waiting on the Lord. And for me, that's just such a rich environment that I would ask if he had a word for somebody. And so I had my dear friend Becky. She was sitting about where Scott is, and I'm sitting in my chair across from her. And I, if I got a word, I'd get up out of my office, and I'd leave my office and go give someone a word. But Becky um, sees in the spiritual realm in a way that I don't. And uh, it's wonderful. We all have such different gifts. So you know, when I left my room, she saw an angel come and sit in my chair like a placeholder. 
And so when I came back in my room, I sat down, but the angel waited to the last possible second to get out of my chair. It's like the angel got, whoop, got squished out of my chair when I sat down. It happened three times. And then finally, I sit down the third time, and she sees the angel come back behind me, and she sees him pour this oil over my head. It ran down my shoulders. It went on my lap, ran down my legs, and then she saw it pooling all around me. And then I said, oh, well, that's amazing. Hey, Becky, I have a word for you. And she's like, yeah. And I said, I gave her the word, and she said, Charlie, you're never going to believe it. I said, what? She said, look. And she showed me her journal notes. It was word for word, the word that I gave her. What did that do for her faith? Yeah? But then, she's, and I love this about Becky. She's like, let me give it a try. How many people are the let me give it a try kind of believers? I love that. I said, okay. So we waited on the Lord for a moment. Becky waited, and then she said, Charlie, I just hear the Lord saying, do, 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 do. And then I said, Becky, you're not going to believe it. And I turned and I showed her my journaling, and it was exactly what the Lord had just talked to me about. And we just sat there like, wow. We can hear God's voice through each other. Are you kidding me? We can get a confirmation that it's not our imagination? Isn't that sweet? I just, and it's not hard. And by the way, it's joyful. Like, I didn't even say this when I was talking about the dumb father joke. And you guys were great. Thank you for your, like, humor him laugh which is more what it was probably. But I've been noticing as the move of God is happening more, the presence of God even now fills this room. Guys, there are times where the most appropriate response to the presence of God is a spontaneous outburst of joy. Just, I've been in groups with people and small things, and we'll all just start laughing. No one told a joke. We all feel so full, so much joy, that the only appropriate response is gratitude and laughter. Come on, let's have more of that. You know, that's healing. That isn't. And so Becky and I, we were just freaked out by that and joyful. Oh, as you can imagine. So the last thing I want to share, oh, with you about ways of uh, hearing his voice. And you know, there, there are many ways. He speaks in spontaneous thoughts. He can speak in pictures. He can speak in words. He can speak all kinds of different ways. But did you know that you can honor God by spending time intentionally to see voice. So when we were at the soaking school in Toronto, my favorite exercise was we, we, you get yourself in a worship atmosphere, you get yourself peaceful and calm down, you get out a tablet or you know whatever you, something to write on, and then you just simply ask God a question. You know, Lord, what desire did you put in my heart? And then you wait. And here's the most important key. You wait for a moment, and the first thing that comes to your mind, write it down. And don't analyze it. I always, for years, I would think God was starting to talk with me. Oh, is that God? Where's that, is that chapter and verse? You know, do I agree with that? The, you know, the minute you start analyzing what God is saying, guess what you've just done? You've turned off your ears. You're not attentive anymore. Now you're getting noisy in your own head. And the Holy Spirit's a very sensitive person. It's like, oh, you stopped listening. But instead, if you say, Lord, you know, what do you want to talk about tonight? And you, all you hear is banana. And I mean, I get some funny words sometimes. And I go, okay, that's Charlie. But I don't do that anymore. I go, Lord, okay, 
What do you want to show me about banana? Can you remember that question? What do you want to show me? Whatever comes in, and you'll, you're going to analyze it later. Okay, so I'm not saying ch check your brain at the door, but the analysis, the lining up with Scripture, confirmation from other believers, that's later in the process. When you're learning to listen, you just say, well, what do you want to show me? And the number of times I can't even tell you how remarkable it is when I don't analyze it, and I just let, oh, what do you want to show me? All of a sudden, bing, oh, that's so beautiful. That makes so much sense, God. We, uh, we were at a soaking night on Wednesday one time, and I, there was a young couple there, and, and Tyler just had the most on-fire faith. He was in a, like a spiritual revival in his life. He was the easiest person to prophesy I think you've ever met. And so I'm waiting, and I got this clear picture of him with a goofy chef's hat and an apron, and he was standing before a table that was red checkered cloth, and I saw him presenting this food on the table. And now I could have just said, wow, I must be hungry. I want Italian food. I mean, but Lord, what do you want to show me? And then the Lord told me, oh, no, I'm teaching him how to prepare comfort food for the soul. I'm making him a chef that can feed people's souls with what he's learning. And I said, oh, that's cool. So I went up to Tyler, and I told him, you know, without overanalyzing it, well, I just got this picture of you in a goofy chef's hat and boo-boo-boo. And then finally he goes, well, I probably need to let you know, Charlie, I know you don't know, Our mother, my mother-in-law just paid for us to go to Italy and take cooking lessons in, in Tuscany and learn how to make Italian food. <laughs> and it was so much more than just being a good chef. You know, there was a kingdom purpose. In it. Isn't that just, it's amazing. It's amazing how fun those things can be. So um, I moved from doing a journal uh, with pen and paper, because how many of you have paper journals? Just question real quick. Yeah, have you ever tried to go back and find something you wrote six months ago? How easy is that? So I use OneNote on my phone. I use my tablet, and the typing makes it go so much faster for me. But when the Lord told me you haven't honored my word in your life, he didn't mean you're not reading the Word of God. He meant you're not honoring the prophetic words. You're not reading, you're not honoring the revelation I've given you from the Word. You're not honoring, you know, whatever way God is speaking to me, I didn't write it down. I didn't reflect and ponder on it. And so now I've got my Uber conversation from four years ago. I've got conversations and everything on this one little app, but I really felt the Lord wanted me to get personal with you and read a recent journal entry. This is from June. And by the way, you remember I warned you that as you get closer to the Lord, he can... He can, he, he's not cruel and he's never mean, but he will go after your heart because he wants to get anything out of the way that's going to get between you and him. So I've been obsessed lately with the whole concept of keeping the Lord on the throne of my heart. And uh, that's where he belongs. He's a king. But do you know how often, when you have self-pity, when you're feeling sorry for yourself, who's on the throne of your heart? Didn't you just put yourself there? Oh, woe is me. I'm not getting what I want. And it's like, oh, sorry, Lord. And all you have to do is repent. Say, no, Lord, you belong there. How do you want me to see these things? So <clears throat> I'm just going to be honest. It's, this was in my journaling. Lord, I've put myself on the throne of my heart again without even seeing it. Why is it so hard to keep you where you belong? And then he said, a life of worshiping yourself, your needs, 
wants, and fears. When you focus on me, you are not the center anymore, and it throws you off balance. <clears throat> you don't know how to let your life revolve around me and not yourself. When a life revolves around you, you get upset when things happen that are different than what you want. Anybody relate to that? Things go the wrong way, and you're just, this isn't fair. <clears throat> then he said, uh, when life revolves around me, when things happen that you don't want, you look for what I'm doing in that situation. You look right away to the source of all things and see how to respond and find there isn't a situation I'm not ready for and can't handle. Your confidence rests in me and not yourself. Are you sure you like being in charge? <laughs> yeah, that's a groaner. You got it, Barbara. Oh, ooh, somebody take this spear out of my heart. But you go state's evidence. God, it's true. You know, I, I, I worry about my own interests. I want what I want. And uh, God, forgive me. And so that is now, Lord, I, as much as possible, every day, every interaction, I want to keep you on the throne of my heart. And so before we move into the final section even, um, I want to kind of do the end in the middle. And uh, I was even going to do this earlier. I was praying about it in our hotel room. And this is, if, if you're at a place where you want to keep Jesus on the throne of your heart, you know, sometimes a prophetic act uh, a willingness to respond when you feel like a conviction, like you just groaned, but you don't have to do this if you don't want. But I want to do a few declarations of just submitting to making him Lord over our lives again. And he gave me some specific ones. So you know one of my favorite prayers? And I'll give you a chance to do a repeat after me if you're foolish enough. Um, I love to pray, Lord, I want what you want, even if it's not what I want. Yeah, that's making him Lord. Was it Jesus' desire to go die on a cross? His greatest joy on earth was doing the will of his father. Is that right? Everything he saw his father doing. And then, by the way, he said, when the people who come after me, they're going to do the same things that I did. And what? Greater. I want to see the greater. I really do. And so for me to agree with him and the prayer on the cross, not my will. Your will be done. There was a moment in history, only one where Jesus' will was different than the Father's. And that's because he knew the sin of the world was going to separate him from the center of love from his Father. That was the price he paid to take our sin on himself. So if you're willing, just do a repeat after me kind of prayer to activate this area. Lord, I want what you want, even if it's not what you want. Come on. Yeah, even if it's not what I want. Yeah. Did I say it wrong? Okay, Lord, I want what you want, even if it's not what I want. Amen. Come on. You guys are getting primed, I'm telling you. Then I got a, I've got another good one, uh, and I'm going to preface this one a little bit. 
Have you ever had those mornings where you get up and you go out to spend time with the Lord and you're instantly in his presence and you're just like, oh, this is so great. There's no throwing off distraction or having to confess anything. I got up at 5.30 one morning and I went out and I'm on, and just the Lord is, and I are there. And I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, I want to go anywhere you want to send me. I want to do anything you want me to do. I want to say anything you want me to say. And there are no limits. And I just meant it. And even now, years later, I just prayed that simple prayer, and I just heard him say, that's what I love about you. And I was just devastated. It's like, God, you're so good to me. I just, I don't understand. And then another testimony. I was going to the federal building in downtown Portland. I was asked to speak to the Bonneville Power Administration they have people come and talk about irrigation and hydroelectric power. And Pastor Charlie coming about the, talking about the presence of God. And so I just got back from India. I was telling all these stories and auto rickshaws this and curry that. And, and it was okay. And then, I just, it, then it dawned on me, hey, wait, you know, just this morning I had that prayer with God. And guys, I, I just shared just as simple as I did with you. And I'm not kidding. Again, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> room full of federal employees, the majority of them started crying in front of each other because they didn't know you could hear from God. They didn't know God was a personal God. They thought he was a distant God. And they wanted that too. So if you're willing and wanting, just pray, Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere you want me to go to do anything you want me to do to say anything you want me to say. And there are no limits. Who come on. That's so good. You bunch of room of rowdies. That's what you are. You Jesus freaks. I love it. Yeah. Do, do, you know, <laughs> do, do you know what a zealot is? A zealot is anybody who loves Jesus more than you do. You know? And we're growing more every day. So I set you up, being willing to say whatever you hear him say. So we seek his voice, and we seek it in faith. We hear his voice in many different ways, but then the key to be effective in other people's lives and to share his presence and his goodness is to be brave enough to share what you heard. You heard me read my journal. Did that make me look good? Not really. I mean, I'm, some of you are like, why is this guy even talking now? Good Lord, you know, he spends a lot of time on the throne of his own heart. Yeah, and yet I'm loved anyway. So I'm going to run through this a little bit quick, but this is the activation, activations um, section. And if anybody needs to go, you know, it's 8 o'clock. I don't know what your thing is, but, uh, you know, you feel free to bug out. If I offend anyone, too bad, because I have the mic, you know. Tell, tell Scott, I won't care. Yeah. So sharing his voice. There's a, a, 1 Corinthians 14 talks a lot about prophecy, but for the end of the chapter, verse 39, says the most amazing thing. It says, uh, earnestly or eagerly desire to prophesy. One translation actually says, covet to prophesy. How many of you know coveting is a sin? Right? It's in the Ten Commandments. And by the way, coveting is wanting to take something good that someone else has and take it for yourself at their loss. 
And that's a sin except from God's position about prophecy. If you see prophecy operating in somebody's life, you should hunger after it too and be excited about it to the degree like, I don't care, Barbara. I want your prophetic gift even if it means you don't have it anymore because I love what it does for people, right? Because I don't know of any other gift that breathes such life, breathes such hope. I've shared several stories with people, with you already about Becky, and I shared the story you know, about Tyler and the Italian food. And I mean, it's uh, wonderful the way it opens people's hearts momentarily. We all have our defenses up, but a prophetic word, a word of knowledge comes, and all of a sudden for a moment, whoop, someone's heart is open to receive empowerment, fresh perspective, a change of a way of thinking. And, you know, repentance isn't just turning from sin and going toward righteousness. Repentance is a change of mind. When I change what I believe about something and think about something, my behavior changes. And that's when you're not becoming righteous yourself. You're letting his truth set you increasingly free. And that's what the prophetic really does. So just a quick thing to elevate this, this gifting. Uh, what are evangelists called in the Old Testament? I don't know. That word isn't really used, is it? What are apostles called in the Old Testament? Well, they're not kings. I don't know what they are. What are prophets called in the Old Testament? They're prophets. What are prophets called in the New Testament? They're prophets. By the way, there's the, the, the God's greatest hits. You know, there are the gifts of the Spirit, right? 1 Corinthians 12. Guess what gift is in there? Prophets. The Holy Spirit can come on anyone at any time and anoint you with a prophetic word if your heart is open and willing. You don't have to be a prophet. You can still operate in prophecy. Am I right? Okay. And then there are the gifts of the Father, the ones that are wired in you, that you're hardwired with a certain temperament, a certain passion, a certain openness, and one of the gifts in the gifts of the Father are what? Prophecy. And, and in that passage, by the way, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, when it says if your gift is prophecy... If the Father wired you that way, you have the temperament of a prophet, then do it in proportion to your faith. Don't exaggerate it. Don't minimize it, right? If the Father gives you a high-definition, clear picture, share it that way. If he gives you an impression, share it that way, in proportion to your faith. But then in the list of the gifts of the Son, Ephesians 4.11, and the office gifts, Prophet makes a showing there, too. I, there's something close to God's heart about the gift of prophecy. Um, I love Moses and his heart on this subject. When he saw two people who weren't prophets and they were prophesying, what did he say? Oh, that all of God's people were prophets. He wasn't offended because he knew prophecy built people up. Right? Man, let that be our heart. Let us celebrate prophecy and let us expect to be able to. You're already doing classes on prophecy. I was just blown away when I heard that. And so, um, oh, by the way, the working definition for prophecy, if you don't have one, um, prophecy is the ability to speak either the mind or the heart of God toward a person or a situation under the supernatural empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's not of human 
uh, ability. It's not of human perspective. The Holy Spirit is actually giving you the picture and the word. And, and you grow in it, and you begin to know how to confirm it more, and you begin to operate in more faith about it, and it is a, really a progressive thing. So, by the way, you could do a one-off, and you could give the most amazing prophetic word one time, and I, I don't believe that's all God would ever want to do in you, but then some of you are wired like a prophet, and so you're naturally inclined to want to, oh, I want to speak truth that brings life into people's lives. And by the way, if you do it consistently enough, what happens? You get recognized, installed, set in an office as a prophet, because you now are confirmed and you've been doing it constantly. I don't think there are a whole lot of people who really legitimately are in the office of a prophet. And I don't think of myself as in the office of a prophet. I just love the gift. And by the way, it, for me, it's one of the easiest things in the world now. If your heart is in the right place and you really want to see somebody blessed, God's going to be really stingy. He's going to make you crash and burn nine times and maybe help you do it right once. No! His heart is to bless people. And if your heart is in that, he'll get inside of it really, really fast. It's amazing to me. So I want to give you four words real quick. Um, we have a limited understanding of even what prophecy is at times. Sometimes people think it's foretelling the future. And, and there's old, old Testament examples of that. But there are four words in Hebrew for prophecy that kind of explain a different aspect of God's heart toward prophecy. And so I'm just going to go over them real quick. For you studiers, I'll give you um, the Strong's number. So Naba is one word in Hebrew for prophecy. It's uh, Strong's 5012. The Naba prophetic word is the, the bubbling up word. It's the river that flows in a prophetic spirit. Uh, do you remember the story of Saul walking around the school of the prophets? He wasn't a prophet, but he was in the river with the other prophets. And what happened? Blah, 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 blah. He started bubbling up prophetic words because he was in that environment. And that, that can happen to anybody. You get around a prophetic environment, and it just you get caught up in it. How many of you have been to an actual presbytery where there are confirmed, mature prophets? It's the most amazing thing. There can be five or six people and one person in the hot seat, and then this guy gives a word, this person gives a word, this lady gives a word. And when you look at it, wow, they never checked notes. They didn't talk ahead of time. And each word is expanding another dimension of the same thing. It all came from the same river. Those, those are Naba words when that happens. How? The, uh, the next kind of word is reading glasses. That's my prophetic word. No, it's Haza, which is um, Strong's 2472. It means to see. It means to get a vision. So, and, and, to some, and that's what the New Testament experience of words of knowledge and words of wisdom are. God gives you knowledge, gives you a vision of something. How many of you have ever had God talk to you through a picture? You ever notice a picture really is worth a thousand words? Man, it's amazing what you can get from just a simple image sometimes, and I won't even develop that. Masa is another Hebrew word, um, 48, 53, if you want to look it up. I love this one. That is more of an intercessor's part of the prophetic ministry. It's the burden of the word of the Lord that is talked about in Zechariah. And by the way, there are times God will give you prophetic insight into something that he desires for someone or a gifting that's in someone, and you have to have the discipline to say, yes, but am I to share it or am I to carry it? Am I supposed to be just praying it in, God? You've given me that prophetic insight, but if you share it too soon, 
you could be putting a burden on that person they're not ready and mature enough to carry yet, right? So there's this burden of the word of the Lord, and man, you can just get like, mm. um, actually, I think it was prophetic insight. I hadn't made that connection yet. We were in Austin at my daughter's graduation, and we have a beautiful six-month new baby, Lily, a granddaughter, but she got very sick. She had diarrhea. She was vomiting. She was super dehydrated. They had to go to the emergency room. We were stuck in Austin, Texas, and uh, she was concerned. I was concerned. And they were five hours in the emergency room with a doctor who wasn't doing anything for the nausea and wasn't hydrating her. She was turning gray. It was getting more and more serious. And this doctor had an attitude. And my son is like, okay, I need to get transferred to Randall Children's Hospital. And the doctor says, it's going to take me two hours to write up the paperwork. I mean, Lily was potentially dying. And so in that case, I actually got the night shift. And... Uh, I, I had that burden for Lily. So I'm just praying for her. I'm praying for our kids. And I have to say, I wasn't doing it necessarily in faith. There were times I was begging, you know, like, God, it's my granddaughter. We love her. You know, that. But it lasted a couple hours. And then, you know, after just travailing and that burden that was on, resting on me, and now I see that actually as a masa burden of the word of the Lord, um, I, I just heard, it is well. And then I heard the song, it is well come into my heart. And I just thought, oh, I guess it's well. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, was, I was out cold, seriously. But I, uh, I don't do this very often, but I wrote up in a text what I heard in prayer about Lily, what I heard about them, what I heard about what he was doing. And then I said it as well. And our son, because he's a PK, he's not really walking in a close relationship with the Lord. He believes, but, you know, he's seen so much of the problems in church, it's hard for him. And uh, not with us. He's seen a loving, you know, walk and a genuine faith there, just whatever. So, but when I sent the text, he and Molly just started sobbing because they got a prophetic word over Lily, who, what God was doing in her life, and they just couldn't believe a father would carry a burden for them like that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So, the last one, by the way, is one of my very favorites, and the word is natoff. Yeah, no, yeah, glasses. Natoff is 5197 for those. It means to drop, to drip. It's to be distilled. So Job, when he was talking about before his fall, he said, my words of counsel used to fall like the rain on people's hearts. His words were natoff, watering people's hearts, reviving and germinating things in their life. I think as a pastor, the natoff word is my very favorite, where the words that you speak to people are words of praise to Jesus, and it waters people's hearts. And all of a sudden, just love and faith and trust and hope begins to grow again. How many of you want to get activated in natoff words? Come on. That's a great one. I love that. How? Oh. So if I've done my job properly, um, I want to do an activation thing because I've learned classroom Christianity is not going to get it done. It takes people brave enough to take a step of faith. And so you remember the story of Peter in the boat and he sees Jesus walking on the water? And then something in Peter like, hey, I want to do that, right? And so, okay, come. And so, Peter, what you remember the story. There's a storm going on and he steps out of the boat and he begins to walk. And then he looks at his circumstances forgets that the spiritual realm is more real, and he starts to sink, ah, you know? And then I always thought, what a bummer story. There's Peter blowing it again. What did Jesus say to him? Oh, ye of little faith. You know what didn't dawn on me till years later? 
the other nine knuckleheads, oh, ye of no faith, you know, they never stepped out of the boat. I believe that was the activation for Peter for signs and wonders. And Jesus helped him in his feeble beginnings of it, but he was willing to take a step, right? And so I don't want to share all of this stuff with you and not give you an opportunity to take a step. And so we went to the National School of Prophets, and we did a very quick exercise, and I'm telling you, it's what activated the prophetic in my own life. So we heard a wonderful teaching, some of this stuff, and additional stuff, and, uh, and then the, the speaker said, okay, now, I want you to pair up, and preferably, it's not required, pick someone you don't know. It's easier to prophesy over someone you don't know, by the way. It's easier for them, too, because they know you don't know anything about me. And uh, I, I, in this house, do you do women with women, men with men, if, if at all possible? Uh, typically what? Well, we're going to do with just two. So uh, what we're going to do is pick one person, hopefully that you don't know. You guys are not qualified to pray for each other, sorry. And uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer. And I'm just going to release, I wish I could do a better teaching. You already know the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, right? And so if you have an open heart to see somebody else get blessed. And here's the key. Uh, prophecy is learning to step out and speak from God's perspective. So here's the instruction they gave us. If you're with a woman, then before, just we're going to wait for a moment, let him give you a picture, let him give you a word, and then what do you ask when you get a word or a picture from God? What do you want to show me? What do you want to say about that? And then whatever happens... Step out in faith. It's okay if you mess it up. You're not going to break anybody. But when, when you start, say daughter if it's a woman or son if it's a guy. Do you know why? Because a lot of people will be, well, I kind of have this impression. I think maybe God you know, says you like the color blue and he really likes that about you. You're speaking totally from your perspective. The discipline, the challenge of saying, okay, daughter, just the word, they're not your daughter. They're God's daughter. That is a step of faith. That's stepping out of the boat. You have no idea. I've done this for years now, and I'm saying 90% or more people who've never even prophesied when they have the, just enough faith to say, okay, God wants to awaken prophecy in my life, and so I'm going to say daughter, I'm going to stay son, and then just share with the person, and then give them a chance to share with you. doesn't have to be super long. Are you all okay with that? You all look so scared. It's amazing. <laughs> this is not a hard thing. You know, you're going to touch the heart of God who just wants to bless other people. So um, let me just pray, and then I'll let you break up. And we're we're going to do it pretty quick. It shouldn't take more than even five minutes. Don't, don't give heavy revies. Don't Please don't marry anybody. Don't, don't, don't there are other protocols for all of this stuff. And, and I didn't really cover, by the way, my favorite verse for prophecy. If you're not sure if it's God, and I can't do a full teaching on this, but, you know, in Romans it says New Testament prophecy is for edification, building somebody up. It's for exhortation to encourage them, or it's to comfort them or consolation. So the three ways I like to remember it, people need to get bucked up, they need to get built up, or they need to get cheered up, Right? And so if I'm getting a word that's like a negative, oh, I see this sin in your life, that's not a New Testament prophecy. That's not, that's not what we're doing. If you can get a word and you go, oh, I think that might encourage them, you already know you're on track. 
It's going to comfort them in some way. It's going to build them up in some way. It's going to bring, you know what encouragement means? Some people think encouragement is flimsy, kind of, oh, it's just happy talk and you're flattering people. Do you know what encouragement actually means? It means to bring someone into courage. Do you want to put courage in somebody's heart to face life, to take a stand, to continue to move forward? Come on, prophecy brings people into courage. So, Father, we just delight in you. We thank you that you are so for us and never against us. You take everything intended for evil and you use it for good because you can only bring good out of our circumstances. And Lord, I believe each one of us have the ability by the Holy Spirit to speak your heart, to speak your mind, your perspective into another person's life. And if our hearts are right, to just see another person brought into courage and built up and comforted, then I believe even now the brave people who are going to step out and say, daughter or son, you're going to come, Holy Spirit, and you're going to give them the testimony of Jesus. You're going to give them a word. And, Lord, we're going to just celebrate and rejoice that it's much easier than we ever thought it was because we're not doing it. We're partnering with you in it. So I just release that impartation of giving prophetic words that breathe life, those not-off words that water the soul, that germinate new life and produce greater fruit in each other's lives. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So take five minutes and go find a victim. Ho!
right, just take a couple more minutes. Okay, go ahead and, and wrap it up. All right. Okay, everybody, if you'd go back to your seats real fast, I have a really fun thing to do just real quick. I, I don't want to miss out on the best part. So, you, you've had the main course, so it's time for dessert. So, everybody wrap up real quick. I, I just have, uh, I want to get a few testimonies, and I just kind of want to hear how it went for you. So, did anybody receive a word that you knew was through the supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit? It was a prophetic word. It just wasn't that person's nice ideas for you. Anybody get a word that fell on? And are you willing to share? Go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, set the right example. Don't, don't be a scaredy cat. I don't know if I can repeat it word for word, but uh, Candy gave me two words. It was, what was the first one? Launchpad and networking. You want to unfold it? No, no. So she saw. Yeah, it felt like God. I just felt like this is something that I definitely see in the future. Not like next week or tomorrow, but it felt like it's something that God could move us into. Yeah, and she saw us going from state to state. My, my answer to the Lord on that is yes. Yes. Whatever he wants. I was only, well, I gave the boys a few words back there. I gave Ethan, uh, I just saw like a bird flying, and I felt like he's going to have wings to fly. And it started out as a smaller bird, and then eventually he's like an eagle, and he's going to get to his destination that he wants to get to. And for Judah, I heard the first word I heard was rooted. Rooted. And him and his family are like a bunch of trees rooted really close to each other. And sometimes the turbulence, you bang into each other a little bit, but, but it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine because you're rooted. Oscar's a honey badger. He's a honey badger. Honey badger. Oh, honey badger. Well, sometimes as a pastor, you feel like a honey bucket. He's a honey badger. Yeah, he knows how to get what he wants. It's a good thing, the determination. And then I heard a song for Kevin, the uh, Helzer song, Catch the Wind. I just, just, I am strong and full of life. All right, anyone else? Did, did you get a word that you really felt on? Come, let's celebrate. Yeah, here, come. 
we here, I'll just bring you the mic. Um, I had the pleasure of being blessed of the Lord through Karen. And um, she was speaking to me about um, well, the part that I remember the most was that she saw me like a, um, a sunflower. And she said, you are always looking. She said, you just let the sun, you, 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 you know, so chasing the sun. And if you know me, I, I'm just always, Lord, where are you? Let's go. Let's run. Let's, you know, get crazy. Uh, but the, the pieces also of the sunflower was that um, that when uh, the sun is out, you know, the face of the flower is always going to the sun and the beauty of it and then the, the varieties of it. But also when there is no sun, then the flowers come together and they bring their heads in and they make their own protection area. And it, to me, that meant um, I, I knew it was a new season, and I knew that that meant it was not just for me in ministry. There will be others, you know, involved in it. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and and then um, um, I said to her, I said, you know, I I'm an English gardener. If you know me, I just love flowers. This is the first year that my husband and I have grown sunflowers. <laughs> Yeah, and I said, you know, the, the, the amazing thing I said is that I get to watch birds come in, and some of the birds take the, the seed, and they will eat the seed, and others come in just to destroy. And I said, I just see that as a prophetic word as well for the caution of ministry, the caution of not being easily deceived, although it sounds good, it looks good, it whatever, you know, and um, so I, I thank you. Um, also, what some of you don't know, my husband is disabled, and so from the moment the big C word COVID came out, our doctors said, please don't go to places where there's a possibility because my husband is just all titanium rods until the Lord heals him. And if he were to get any kind of a, a flu or a COVID, it, it would take his life. And so my husband asked me if I would not go to places, including church. And I said, it was a new season. And I said to my husband today, I'm going up to Scott's church tonight. And he did not say no. It, it, it is a new season. There's a freedom and there's a release. And it's not just for me. All the seeds that are in that pod that I saw, I believe it's all of us for whatever he's calling us to do. Okay, so when we were in the praise and worship time, Charlie, you were sitting here, and every time I wanted to kneel down and lay my crown before the Lord, I, I have a bum knee, been bum for a couple years now, and every time I went to do this, bam, your arm came right here, and I thought, well, I don't know well enough to put my arm on his and, you know, pressure down, and um, finally, I, when I was standing up, I said, well, why am I letting this still be a bum knee? So I just laid my hand on it and declared healing in Jesus' name, and guess what? <laughs> Wow. All right. Did, did anybody get a, a word that you just knew was really from the Lord and maybe it was your first word that you ever got? Do we have our first timer in the house? See, you guys are all just so flowing in the spirit. It's ridiculous. So did someone get a word that you were encouraged being able to give? Come on. There, oh, Gene. No, no. Horse that gave me what was in my heart was peace, and I've been praying for peace for a long time. So that's what it kept me. Is this working? Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyone else you want to share? Oh, yeah. If that's, if that's all right. Uh, so I just met Kevin this evening, right before we started. Didn't get to know him too well. Um, but as we were praying just now, I got the picture of a girder, like a, in a bridge, a support structure. And that was the word I got for Kevin, girder. And Kevin tells me he builds bridges. So that is really awesome because actually that is, um, I've, I've gotten pictures before, I've gotten words before, but I haven't had that kind of confirmation of not so directly like that. So that is just really cool. So praise God. Thank you. So, you know, I'll share one last testimony and then we can dovetail on your point. Um, you sometimes just have to step out in faith and people aren't going to necessarily respond or react. I shared a story with Tammy. We, we go to Tokyo. Uh, we've gone three times and we have a dear friend named Kamiko and uh, we were leaving a resort in Fukushima and I'm sitting there on a bench waiting for our suitcases and stuff. And then Kamiko goes, Charlie, do you have a prophetic word for the girl behind the counter? And I went, no, no, I don't. I'm sorry, Kamiko. And I sat down. And then right away, a word came for me. I went, wait, hold on. Yeah. And so I went, and I prayed over this girl. It was a very encouraging kind of word. And she was very sweet about it. And then Kamiko gets all excited. And she goes, Charlie, do you have a word for the guy who's going to help us with the luggage? It's like, okay, Kamiko. So I go over and I pray for the guy, and he was very, you know, grateful about it. And then Kamiko loses it. Wait a minute. Get the general manager. Get the general manager out here. And so they bring the general manager out. And Charlie, give him a word. And it's like, good heavens, Kamiko. So I go, okay. So I walk up, and, you know, Japanese people are very proper, so they kind of stand at attention. And they're very stoic. They don't really show much expression. They're like perfect poker faces. But you can't really hide. I started speaking about his heart toward his employees and the way he wanted to serve and what was in his heart. All of a sudden, this very proper Japanese man is standing there, and his tears start coming down his cheek. And then he just, you know, you could tell he was receiving. He couldn't hide it. I love that. And then, uh, and then he turns to Kamiko and goes, I didn't know people could do this for each other. That's what prophecy is. It just brings life. It brings hope. And when it's really from the Lord, why wouldn't we desire that more? And I just encourage you, let it be activated in your life. Just continue to step out and let it grow. And, uh, but you're not always going to get confirmation. It's nice when you do. The, my last one, I had a, a girl, a friend of our daughter, and she was visiting from the East Coast. And I saw her, and I just decided, why not? You know, let me give her a word. And so I said, you know what? It's so funny. I see you at the coast. And I see you climbing up a trail, and you're going out to the very edge of a cliff. And I see you going right to the edge, and a Pacific storm is coming up, and the wind is blowing so hard that, like the like Titanic, you put your arms out like this, and you leaned into the wind, knowing the wind would hold you up. And I said, the Lord just loves that about you. You turn to the storms of your life and you trust God and you let the wind of his spirit just hold you up when it looks like it, you know, it could be a disaster. In Jesus' name, amen. Nice talking to you. And she leaves. Well, she was leaving for the East Coast the next day and she just happened to be at her daughter's house. She goes, hey, Charlie, I should probably let you know. It's like, what's that? She goes, well, uh, two days ago I was at the Oregon coast and I went up a trail 
and I went out to the edge of this cliff and I was looking out over the ocean and the winds were blowing pretty hard and I decided I could just lean forward into the wind. She did exactly what the Lord showed me, but then the Lord spoke this word about her personality and her courage and trusting God in the storms. of What did that do for her heart? And the little twerp didn't tell me when I gave it to her. I had, I'm just like, I'm hanging out there. My cheese is in the wind, you know? I, I have no idea if that was on or not. Jeez. <laughs> well, I hope it was a, a meaningful night. I hope you go home feeling more like a beloved son and daughter. And I hope you're inspired to step out and just let God use you so radically to speak life and healing. And whether it's tears or whether it's people leaning into the wind or whether it's uh, comfort food for the soul, all of those words are, are in your mouth and God wants to release them and have you be an incredible blessing to others. So, Father, I just thank you for this house of faith. I thank you for these people like Peter who stepped out of the boat, and tonight you activated fresh fire, fresh gifting. God, I just ask for you to now water and nurture and bring forth all of the giftings and all the things that we talked about. Raise our level of faith to trust you more, to love you more, to just sit and to um, seek your voice in a daily kind of a way, Lord, and then to be able to hear your voice in the many marvelous ways you speak to us in worship, in your word, in prayer, in journaling, through other people. Let us honor your word in our life, but then, Lord, help us share with others what it is we're hearing so people can know that there's contagious adoration out there, devotion to you that's radical that they didn't even know was possible. So I just thank you that you are awakening our ability to have a personal relationship, to hear your voice, and to allow your voice to be the very foundation of giving life and living water that flows out of us. I thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you all.